But yeah, if you guys have your Bibles, we'll jump into uh, the sermon portion. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 28. Awesome. And before we go there, um, I just really wanted to, uh, to mention how honored we are to be here, share the ministry, uh, share just all of what God is doing uh, locally and around the world, uh, and personally just uh, thank uh, Pastor Jeff. Uh, you guys have an awesome pastor, just a, a true shepherding pastor uh, who cares for you guys. I uh, met with him even a couple weeks ago, and just hearing his heart that he cares for you guys, he cares for the lost um, and Clay County wants people to come to know him. Uh, so, so thankful for that. I looked up on Yelp. Uh, I was trying to find the best pastor with the best beard, and you had the highest reviews, man. You did great. Um, all right, let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for all that you have done and all that you are still doing in our lives. Help us to posture our hearts towards gratitude. Help our hearts to not be calloused towards hearing of your resurrection and death and burial, but help us to not be numb to it, but be sensitive to it. Help us to share it with other people. Help it to affect our daily lives and everything that we do, not just on a Sunday or when we're uh, with other Christians, but when we're with our lost friends and our lost family members. Jesus, humble me right now. Speak through to me and allow me to uh, articulate your word well. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> so Matthew 28. Um, so the book of Matthew, I don't know everyone's backstory here. If you're like, this is my first time in church ever. Or if you've been coming to this church since its existence. Or uh, you're, you've been growing up in different churches your whole life. <clears throat> I like to give a little backstory of some books of the Bible. So Matthew is one of the four Gospels, so it's in the second half of the Bible. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Those are called the Gospels. The Gospel just means, that word just means the good news, the good news of what? The good news of Jesus coming, uh, it's his ministry. We just talked on uh, 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 the birth of Jesus, and we're skipping 33 years ahead now. Uh, Jesus has just died, uh, and he has just been resurrected um, so if you're reading the book of Matthew, and then you say you read the Bible chronologically, you read it Matthew, then you read Mark, then you read Luke and John. If, you, if you're first time and you're not reading the Bible all the time, you might read this and be like, Jesus has died four times already. This guy just keeps dying and resurrecting. What is going on? When I say those four Gospels, it's, it's the same Gospel. Jesus has done those same things, but it's a different perspective. So if you're reading that, Jesus has not died Four times he's not resurrected. Four times he, is, he has died once and been resurrected once. Um, and so we're just reading the perspective of the book of Matthew. So when Jesus was resurrected, um, he appeared in eight, 18 different times to different sizes of groups of people. So often uh, when, when I talk to people and maybe they're very hesitant to even believe like, oh, that's impossible. Someone could never do that. Um, and I'm not here to convince them. I want the Holy Spirit to be able to convince them. But if we're just looking at numbers and possibilities of that, there was a time where Jesus, uh, out of the, one of the, out of the 18, where he appeared to over 500 people. He was on earth for 40 days after he resurrected. He didn't just die and was resurrected and immediately went up to heaven, but instead he was here for 40 days and appeared in 18 different appearances. And that one time, um, uh, I had a professor uh, teach me once, and he's like, 
Uh, he's just, has anyone done drugs here? And like, some people are like, all right, should I sh raise my hand or not? And he's like, all right, drugs that give you hallucinations, and that's what people say is like, oh, people were just hallucinating. But people who have done drugs and uh, doctors who have um, talked on people who have, there's never been a hallucination that somebody had the same drug and they're right next to each other and had the exact same hallucination, right? That's not possible. And then times that, or add another 498 people. The odds of 500 people having the same hallucination is impossible. But it is, it's, uh, it's, it's a historical fact that Jesus came and was resurrected. Um, and uh, we're talking on the Great Commission now. So the Great Commission being Jesus uh, coming and he's declaring. So in the book of Matthew, verse uh, chapter 28, we're going to read 16 through 20. And uh, he's talking to the 11 apostles right now, uh, not having 12 anymore because of uh, Judas. Uh, was not, uh, uh, he died. And uh, yeah, so let's go ahead and we'll jump into verse 16 right here. It says this. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, and some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Verse 19, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Man, I love, the, I love this passage of Scripture. And sometimes for me, I, can, I read this over and over, or I talk to people about it. Often people are like, why are you going to Poland? Can't you just do the ministry of what you're doing here? And, I'm, and, and my response is, well, I'm being obedient to God. It's not just, I didn't just scroll on the map and like, right here, that's where I'm going to go. Uh, but God opened up doors for us to be able to allow to go there. Or I'll talk with people and they'll say, Andrew, I could never do what you're doing. And then I talk to them and I'm like, I'm not some super Christian. I'm not this elite Christian. I'm not more holy than someone else, but instead I'm being obedient to what God has for me. And I don't know what God has for you today. I don't know if he's going to challenge you to talk to your neighbor, talk to a family member, talk to someone in school. And I know right now a lot of us in school, it's online. I don't know how that's working right now, if you can just have open conversations online um, about that or, or connecting with them outside of class. I don't know if that's within our jobs. I don't know if God is calling you to go to a different city to change your career. I don't know if God is calling you to move to a different country. God knows what he's calling you to. And in this passage of scripture, he is, he's commanding us while, to, to go. And we're going to break this down a little bit. Um, uh, often in, 20, in 2020, we're in 2021 now, um, we think about all these crazy injustices that happened. We can name off hundreds of injustices that happened. My wife and I, we often talk on the greatest injustice, and it's this. It's that for a person to be born, to live, and to die without ever hearing the name of Jesus, without ever knowing what Jesus did for them, we believe that to be the greatest injustice for someone to be born, to live, and to die. That statement alone just causes us to move, causes us to get up and talk, and it changes our life and our attitude. So when we see the disciples here, uh, they did not yet have the Holy Spirit personally in their lives, uh, not until the book of Acts. So some of these things that Jesus is calling them to, I'm sure they're very confused by this. 
Verse 17, and when they saw, them, uh, saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And I love the verse 18. And Jesus came, and this is what he said. He said, and this is a promise. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That word authority translated means power. So not just uh, power of authority, but physical power uh, and the power of the Holy Spirit to come. All power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus has all power. So we can rest in that. So in a minute, we're going to read three commands that were given, but we, can, we have to remember to go back to verse 18, that he's the one that has all power. So in 2020, knowing the craziness, the injustices, uh, no injustice uh, in the world is Jesus is not in charge of. There hasn't been one in 2020 that Jesus was like wringing his hands like, okay, I'm pretty nervous about that. He was over and in control over everything. In 2020, a lot of us have felt tension in relationships, tension in our own spirits. We felt bitterness. We felt unforgiveness. And a personal story with uh, my wife and I. So November 6th of 2020, uh, just about two months ago, uh, we found out that we had a miscarriage. Um, the first time publicly talking about it, um, not on like social media, and that was a hard thing for us to go through. There were we both handled it a little differently. Um, I was more on the angry and just frustrated side, um, and I, I was angry at God for a little bit. And, and some of you were like, "Is it okay to be angry at God? Like He didn't do anything wrong." I was angry at God, and I had to pray and ask the Lord to to forgive me for that anger, because it wasn't just anger, it wasn't right anger. And I had that tension and that bitterness, and I was unforgiving towards God for a period, but knowing that he has all authority. So I had to choose, all right, am I going to believe in what scripture says of him having all authority and power, or am I going to believe in my circumstance? Um, And a word that, uh, that I didn't have was the word peace. I didn't feel peace when we lost our baby. And uh, in the Old Testament, um, uh, a lot of, uh, most of that scripture is translated from Hebrew. And uh, a Jewish greeting that people would say for hello and goodbye is shalom. Can you guys help me out say shalom? Shalom. Awesome. And then in the New Testament, um, it's arana. Everyone say arana. Perfect. Probably mispronouncing it a little bit, but... Um, And that word in the Old and New Testament, um, our English word is peace. And peace being completeness, wholeness, harmony. Man, when we lost the baby, I didn't feel like we had completeness. I didn't feel wholeness and I didn't feel harmony. In times with our marriage, in times with uh, friendships, in my relationship with God, I didn't feel that. I don't know if you guys are in here and you felt that. And in a minute, when we read the commands that were given, if we don't have that peace, we don't have that completeness, that wholeness, we're not going to be able to obey the commands. Um, feel free if you wanted to take these verses down. I'm just going to read through them really quick. You don't have to turn there unless you wanted to. Um, just some verses that were really helpful in understanding God's peace. Isaiah 53, 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Romans 5, 1. 
Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 15, 13, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Philippians 4, 7, And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Shalom. Arana. I love uh, Craig Rochelle, and he said uh, uh, this quote recently. He said, Peace is not found in the absence of problems, but instead it's found in the presence of God. And often, if we're, not, if we're resting in our circumstances, our circumstances are changing daily. But we can rest in God's mercies, His kindness that's daily, His peace, His wholeness that He can give us. So now knowing, all right, we first have to be filled with the Holy Spirit, be in that daily walk with Jesus, have that peace. Let's jump into the commands that we're given. So let's go back to Matthew 28, verse 19, says this, go therefore, and I had a professor of mine, we always stopped there. He's like, all right, when you see the word therefore, you need to ask yourself, what's it there for? And I was like, huh, that's a good question. So you always go back. So, all right, what do we, go therefore, why are we going? Because he has all authority, all power, and he's going to be with us. He's like, okay, that's the charge. Now let's go, therefore, and this is the command, make disciples of all nations. Now some of you in here are like, Andrew, I'm not going to Poland with you. Andrew, I'm not even going to leave this city. That word go, when we look at the Greek, it means while you're going. When you're going to the grocery store and connecting with people and being Jesus to people, Jesus in scripture, I'm blanking on the passage. Uh, Jesus asked somebody, he's like, how will people know you're followers of me? And he says, it's based off of how you love other people, that agape love, selfless love. That's how they're going to know you're followers of me. So while you're going, the first command to make disciples of all nations. That word nations there, uh, the Greek word is ethnos. This is where we get the, uh, our English word for ethnic. So ethnic groups. So I'm going to, for those of you who like statistics, I'm going to throw out some statistics there. Um, so in the world, there are over 16,000 different ethnic groups. 16,000 different ethnic groups. 33% of them would identify as Christian. So Poland would identify a part of that. Um, and then there's 38% have access to the gospel, but have not accepted Jesus. And then there's 29% that have never heard of Jesus, don't have a church, don't have the Bible translated in their language. So when we read this verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, there are 29% of people in the world who have never heard of Jesus. I've heard stories after stories in villages where someone comes over and they're like, hey, do you know who Jesus is? And the person's like, uh, I don't know him. Is he in the next town over? Like, that's their reaction to hearing the name Jesus. But that first command for us is to make disciples of all ethnic groups. Uh, I, I love this, is that the gospel, it spreads. The gospel spreads. We can see that all throughout history. But it spreads more easily in cultures that it's already in than it does to jump from another culture. So if we picture a checkerboard, right? The gospel will spread in one spot. But to articulate the gospel, depending on the culture, with the language, with the 
the social classes, it's going to uh, break apart and you have to go and jump. So for my wife and I, we're jumping into a new culture and helping figure out how to best do discipleship and church planning here. Jesus has not changed. The culture has, but we need to be able to share with them what Jesus has done. The second command. So go therefore and make disciples of all nations. The second command is this, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This verse right here is still so rich. We have the Trinity the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are part of this. Baptizing in His name is that second command. And the third command we see in verse 20. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Teaching them to obey. So we have, we're called, commanded to, to make disciples, to baptize them, and to teach them. This isn't just a a passage of scripture for people who are in full-time ministry. This isn't just Pastor Jeff's role of, all right, his job is the only one to make disciples. But no, this is given to all believers to make disciples, to baptize, and to teach them to obey. And when we read this, some of you guys in here, you might be like, that's a little scary. I've never shared Christ with someone before. What if they reject me? What if they say I'm stupid and I don't know what I'm talking about? What if I don't have the answers that they ask me? Well, when we read Acts 1.8, I would jot that one down. Acts 8 is 1.8. Um, uh, Paul says, um, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So that verse right there is saying, you're going to be a witness. A witness isn't a person who may have a Bible degree. It's not a professor. A witness is somebody who says, hey, this is what has personally happened to me. This is my life transformation that Jesus did in my life, and I want to share my experience. If you share your experience with somebody, most people aren't going to be like, you're wrong, that didn't happen. You know it happened because it happened to you. And then the rest of that verse, Judea, Samaria, uh, or sorry, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Jesus is saying, my ministry needs to go to all nations. That's here, that's near, and that's far, is what we're called to do. But always remember the authority part. Jesus is with us in all of this. When we have that fear, that angst, that tension in our days and in our relationships, he has the power and authority, and he's with us. And I love, I love verses 16 to 20, because I just look at it like a sandwich, It's the promise in the beginning, a promise at the end, and then like the meat in the middle. The end promise is this, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus is with us all the time. He's encouraging us. He said, I'm going to send a comforter. If you have the Holy Spirit, you're a believer in here. You have that, you have that comforter. Um... Uh, Lifeway Research, um, I just read, uh, they came out with this survey in 2007 that they did with um, uh, evangelical churches in the U.S. Um, So it was uh, Lifeway Research with Ed Stetzer and then newchurches.com. So um, in that year, I want to say there was over 1,200 churches in the U.S. that were planted, if I'm right with that. Um, And out of these, uh, I want to say about 1,000 of them did the survey. 
And out of the survey, they came out with uh, different statistics of churches in the U.S. and how they are their first couple years, they're up to five years, what that looks like, their focus is. Um, and they had this quote here, and it said this, multiplication, finally, while we are excited about new churches, we need to be more than just individual churches being planted if we want to keep up with the population growth in the United States. In that case, we not only need individual new churches, we also need movements of new churches. Based off of the population continuing to grow, we're, we're in a decline in the U.S. of needing churches, needing disciples, making disciples. 2 Timothy 2.2, there's four generations right there. There's Paul who wrote the book of Timothy. He's writing to Timothy, so it's Paul. He says, I want you to find faithful men who are going to find faithful men also. So you have four generations here, Paul discipling this guy who's discipling this guy and this guy. When we, when, we would all say, what's, what would increase more, if we added people or if we multiplied people? If we we're good at math, we would probably all say multiply. And what, what I like to tell people is when I'm discipling somebody, if I have my friend Phil here and I'm looking at Phil, my focus kind of is Phil. It is to disciple him, but I'm looking through to Phil at the person I'm challenging him to disciple. And I'm looking through Phil's friend Bob to disciple the other guy who's looking through to him. And in this, we can have multiplication. It's not, hey, let me, uh, I, like, oh, I can't meet with 20 people a week. Like, I have a full-time job. But instead, like, that doesn't go out, out of the fact that we're called to make disciples. Well, how can, with what God has given me, provide, provide that for people? And if you're in here and you're thinking this, Andrew, I still am not convinced. I still, I, I'm struggling to be able to do that, to go out and share Christ, share what God has done with me. I just struggle with that. Uh, I'd encourage you to write down Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. It says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understandings. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your path. God does not just shine the sun on our whole life, and he's like, all right, Andrew, you see, five years from now, you're going to be here. All right, 10 years after that, you'll be here. But instead, he just gives a lamp unto our feet. He's directing us, but we have to trust that lamp. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. If there's a piece of your heart, that has unforgiveness towards things, if there's a peace that has tension, we need to be able to give that over to God knowing that he can hold that up with all your heart and do not lean on your own understandings in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your path. If you want to make a bigger difference, you need to solve bigger problems. If you want to make a bigger difference, solve bigger problems. Uh, I, there was a time I worked at Old Navy, um, and my job was folding clothes. There was a problem Old Navy had, and it was clothes that were not folded. So they're like, Andrew, we're going to pay you, uh, I think it was like eight bucks an hour. Hey, we're going to pay you $8 an hour to fold these and put them where they need to go. That was their problem, and I was their solution. We would all agree that's probably not like a, the biggest problem in the world when we're looking at different injustices, problems going on. But when we go back, what's the greatest injustice for someone to be born, to live, and to die without ever hearing the name of Jesus? And we can be that Jesus 
when Jesus said, how will they know you're followers of me based off of how you love them? It's not that love isn't this little like butterfly feeling that we have when we sit next to a cute girl, right boys? I see some of you in here, right? It's not that like, oh, this cute girl. But instead it's the agape, agape, selfless love that we can only have, not because of ourselves, but because of what Jesus has done for us. We can only give out of the overflow of what Jesus has already given to us. So questions is for you guys to think on. Are you obeying this right now in your personal life? Now, if you're, if you're sitting here, you're next to your parents, it can't just be your parents' faith. It has to be your own faith. Are you personally in your life obeying this? Are you making disciples? If so, who are you discipling? And who's holding you accountable to this? I, I have friends that I'll, I'll get together with uh, once a week, every other week. Um, they're Christians. And our, one of our questions we ask each other is, who are you discipling? Who did you share Christ with this week? And there's times I'm like, I didn't share Christ with anybody this week. But you know what? When we talk and they ask me that question, it's not to be like, Andrew, you are the worst. I can't believe you didn't share Christ with someone. But instead, it's to hold me accountable to, hey, I need to be more focused this week and more aware of what's around me. So are you obeying? And the second is, are you believing? Are you believing Jesus has all authority? Are you believing Jesus has all power? And are you believing he's going to be with you to the end of the age? Because he does have all authority and he is going to be with us. Just, just cling, cling, cling on that fact is that focusing on, focusing on small problems, we're going to have problems day to day. Um, often my wife and I, when we, we, we have a system when we get in and out of the car. It's all right, I get the stroller. Um, all right, she gets our daughter. We put her in. And sometimes it's like we're butting heads to be able to do this. And our focus is small, and we're thinking on small things. Uh, but often we need to think on big things. How can we multiply the gospel? Knowing that a lot of the world hasn't even heard his name. How can I be a part of that? I've heard people say, some are going to send people. You guys are helping my wife and I be able to go over to Poland. Some are going to go, and a lot of people stop there. They're like, all right, I'm either going to send or I'm going to go. I believe we all need to be a part of both of them. But at the same time, there's a third one I heard recently, and I was like, that's really good. The third one is we need to stay. And you know what? When, when Pastor Jeff planted this church, he, I'm sure before that, he was sending people. And he's like, you know what? God is calling me to go, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to plant. And I'm sure it's hard to stay. There's so much spiritual warfare and attack and tension in 2020 that's just insane. It's hard to stay. Wherever God has already called you, maybe you're in here and you're like, Andrew, I have been doing that. Thank you for that encouragement um, to continue that. I just want to encourage you to remain faithful to the Lord, to be able to stay, knowing that he is faithful and he's going to be with you and he has the power and authority to give you that peace, to give you that shalom, to be able to, uh, to keep you and sustain you. Let's pray. Jesus, we are so thankful for the peace that you give us that we cannot comprehend, we can't understand. Help us to trust you and choose you daily. Help us to kill the old man off daily and surrender our lives to you. Help us, Jesus, to see situations as you see 
Jesus, help us to do as you say. Jesus, give us people to minister and love on. Give us people to disciple. Help us to take up, take up our, uh, our days to you, our burdens to you, knowing that you can hold them and lift them. Jesus, help us all to, to go wherever, if that's here, near, or far. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.